is the weekend. It is Sunday. But as we are going through this corona quarantine, I feel like every day is the same day. I don't think that days are changing. It's like Saturday is really Monday, Monday is really Friday, Friday is really Tuesday. It is all the same if you ask me, that is for sure. Well, welcome to Edge of Your Seat Podcast. We appreciate you listening always. Definitely much love and support. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. I'm your host, Brandon LaChance. This is episode 63. Wow, we are cruising through these episodes, especially through a quarantine time. I'm going to try to have one up every day or every other day. I guess I should do some relaxing and stuff because I'm always on the go. I was told that a couple days ago, like, man, you are always doing something. Maybe you should just chill out for a little bit. But I love doing these podcasts. I like talking. I like learning other people's perspective. I think that's my favorite part of this, getting conversations and just learning things through other people in their life and what they've been able to do and things like that. That's why I love these. I will not quit talking to people. So why not share with others as well? I mean, it's a good time. So that's why we're here. <laughs> I know that was kind of cheesy. But, and I can crack my own jokes and laugh at them because nobody else is here. So it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? On this episode, it is the long-awaited conversation with Nick Izzo, who is a member of F2. It's a basketball training company in Myrtle Beach. He is stationed in, or lives, stationed, kind of a military term. He lives in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I was very jealous of him. We talked on the day of the Super Bowl. I think that was February 2nd. So it's been over a month and a half ago, but with high school sports playoffs were in full motion and this coronavirus thing, everything else that's been going on, I got sick sorta kinda with an inflamed organ. So unfortunately for Nick, he was the one that got pushed. He was talking about basketball, coaching and learning and everything else, which is a great conversation. I had a lot of fun with Nick. I had never met him before. We just flowed. Like everything was just, it was just like a normal conversation. Like we were at a bar or at a restaurant having lunch, just talking about sports and things that we love. So I really appreciate talking with Nick and we finally get to listen to him talk about, again, basketball, what they're trying to do with all ranges of ages of athletes. So they work with high school kids and set up camps. They work with college kids trying to get them ready for the NBA draft. They work with NBA players, and he lists a few. So this isn't a small operation. This is a pretty big deal, and it was really cool for him to join us. So he will be the conversation on episode 63. One thing I want to talk about before we hop into the conversation with Nick, and no, it's not going to be the coronavirus. We've talked about that a lot, and it will be back around. You know, we're going to talk about it. It's not going away anytime soon. So we will definitely continuously talk about the corona as more developments happen and things like that. There was 163 more cases in Illinois yesterday. It's up to 585 cases and six deaths just in the state of Illinois. But that's all I'm talking about, corona. That's it. I'm taking a break from that for at least this episode. I want to talk about the passing of Kenny Rogers. I know, it's going to be weird because most of you know me as a hip-hop head. I listen to a lot of hip-hop, rap, R&B. I also listen to everything else. Since Spotify has everything you want to listen to and I try to be as you know, cultural as possible. I don't want to just know what I know. I want to know everything else as well. I'm a very information greedy kind of guy. I want, I want to know everything. So. 
Yeah, I've, I've listened to a lot of Kenny Rogers. My mom, actually, growing up, like, she's a country music fan. If my mom had the radio station, we were listening to country music. Thank God for Walkmans and things of, of that nature because I could listen to what I wanted to listen to. And then my family would get mad at me because if we were in the car, I'm rapping songs and they're like, Brandon, shut up. <laughs> I really didn't shut up, though. But listen to a lot of country. Kenny Rogers was actually one of my favorites as a little kid. As I got older, if I had to listen to country, you know, I'd, I'd go to Tim McGraw, Alan Jackson. Like, those were kind of ones that I was like, ah, oh, if I had to listen to it, please say one of their songs comes on. It was kind of that, I guess, mentality. But growing up as a little kid, Kenny Rogers was cool. I mean, The Gambler, I liked the song. I think I was too young for it to resonate what they really meant, except The Greatest. <laughs> the Greatest is a baseball song, and I was always a sports fan, out of the womb. So that was one of my favorites as a kid, definitely. Anytime that you went to a ballpark and they had the sound system on, that song was going to come on, no doubt. But I don't think it's my favorite. If I had to pick one Kenny Rogers song, as my favorite of all time, I'd have to go no one to hold them, no one to fold them. I used to like walk around the house singing that song. It was so catchy and got stuck in my head. Even as a little kid, I'm singing that song. <laughs> I didn't really know what the words meant. I didn't know what it had to do with or anything. But as I got older and you know listened to it a little more, I was like, all right, I'm glad I like this song because it's cool. So that would probably be my favorite. Thank you to the Facebook and Twitter nation. Like I put up polls on Twitter on both accounts that I have, which is the Edge of Your Seat podcast and my personal LaShance writer. If you're not following either one of those, I would really appreciate it if you do. I put polls up there. I post all episodes. I post any updates. I retweet stuff from local sports or national or local government. I am constantly on Twitter. I'm actually on Twitter more than Facebook. I think I always have been. You know, I'm a journalist, and I feel like Twitter was a better journalism tool. Kind of calculated polls off of both Twitter accounts, and I asked on Facebook. Again, thank you for everybody spending a couple minutes with us and helping me with, I guess we could call this research, but I was just curious of what songs people resonated with Kenny Rogers. Like, what were your favorites? Gambler was by far the winner. It had 76.9% of the edge of your seat votes, and it had 52% of my personal Twitter. Again, that's at LaShawn's writer. It won both. On my personal account with the 52%, Islands in the Stream was second with 24%, Coward of the Country was third with 20%, and Lucille was fourth with 4%. Those were the four songs that I picked. They were the top ones on Spotify. They were the ones that, as soon as I saw the name, I was already, already had the melody and a couple of the words in my head. So I'm like, okay, I'll go with those four. I did forget to put the greatest on there. I wonder if I put the greatest instead of a Lucille. I wonder if that would have had a little more pull production. For the Edge of Your Seat podcast Twitter, Gambler won again with 76.9. Coward of the Country had 15.4. Islands in the Stream, 7.7. .7 and Lucille didn't get a single vote. So I wonder if I would have put Greatest on there instead of Lucille, what would have happened? But I'm glad that I stuck with the songs that I did, and Lucille was the weakest link. But Gambler, by far, the greatest. Huh, you like how I did that? <laughs> in the Facebook poll, Gambler again won with 11 votes. Island of the Stream had six. 
And then the greatest at five. So I left this open for anybody. You just say a song. Just pick one song. Even if it's already said, pick it because I was polling. I didn't put on there like, hey, I'm polling and I want to know like numbers. But I was like, hey, even if it's already put on here, put it on here. So again, Gambler had 11. Island in the Stream had six. The Greatest had five. Those were the only three songs with over five. But there is a lot of songs listed. People dug deep into their Kenny Rogers library. Just Dropped In had four. Lady had four. I remember Lady too. I almost put that up there instead of Lucille. Coward of the Country had four votes. Lucille had three. We've Got Tonight had three. She Believes in Me had three. Love Will Turn Your Round had two. Buy Me a Rose had two. No one to hold them, no one to fold them had one, but I'm going to say two because that's what I would have voted for. <laughs> Sweet Music Man had one. Through the Years had two. Daytime Friends had one. Ruby had two. Something Burning had one. And You Can't Make Old Friends had one. So lots of Kenny Rogers songs. I'm guessing the memories, the nostalgia was flowing when we heard Kenny Rogers had passed. 81 years old. Obviously a terrific music career, whether you liked his kind of music or not, we all know who he was. He was an icon, whether, again, you listen to his music or not, he was there. <laughs> he was there. If you had TNT back in the day or TNN, his movies were on, there was always like a Kenny Rogers showcase and Dolly Parton showcases, all kinds of stuff like that. I remember watching those as a kid. I really didn't appreciate him as a kid, though, I'm not going to lie. Again, I grew up on hip-hop and stuff like that. When my mom had the TV on or the music radio on, then, you know, I kind of got stuck listening to it. But I'm glad that I, I have those memories, especially, you know, in times like this, somebody passes or, you know, somebody's asking, hey, do you remember this, remember that? And I remembered most of these songs. Some I had to go back and listen to, like, no, I don't think I knew that one. But it was a lot of fun going back through Spotify records of Kenny Rogers. I mean, it was, it was pretty cool. I need to start doing that more often. Just pick a random person and start listening to them even before they pass away. That seems to be a deal that I've been doing. If somebody passes away, I'll go back and watch movies, a.k.a. Kirk Douglas. I went back and watched a few of his movies. And, you know, Kenny Rogers passes. I listened to a few songs. I even did that with Juice World when he passed away. I only knew one or two songs. I'm like, hey, I want to go back and listen to him. I mean, it really didn't change my opinion. He's not one of my favorite rappers or... I'll probably not listen to him again unless he pops up somewhere. But at least I went and, you know, tried to see what it was, see what caught him on to the country and why he was a name, why he, when he passed away, he was in the news. Everybody was talking about him in the high school level for sure. I think I was at a grocery store and I heard a couple of teenage kids like, man, did you hear about Juice World? And I'm like, I don't even know anything about him. I did recognize a couple of his songs I'd heard before. Didn't realize that they were him. Things like that. So hopefully I can get into that more. I just want to thank you again for, you know, sharing those song titles and, and voting on the polls and stuff like that. Just to kind of give me and everybody else a, I guess a demographic, a, a number of what songs were most popular and, and what meant what to you. On Facebook, a couple people shared some memories as they voted for them songs. That was very cool. Family member had, you know, a husband passed away not too long ago, and she had jotted down there, me and my husband used to dance to this all the time. And, you know, I kind of smiled because I know them, and, you know, that, that was a cool memory to share. And, you know, I'm thinking, like, maybe I saw that at a wedding or, or something like that. So thank you for sharing memories, too. It was, it's really cool. Like I said, that's kind of why I do this, to 
you know we're all people we have memories we have stories we have stuff to share and it's, it's cool to do that so thank you again rest in peace kenny rogers thank you for your music thank you for your movies thank you for being a pop country music icon you were the man if you please would share edge of your seat podcast with your family your friends your loved ones if they're not family or friends maybe a dog maybe your dog listen likes listen to podcast that'd be pretty funny let them know where we're at we're at spotify Apple Music, iTunes, and Google Music. Please like us, share us, all that other good stuff. Follow us. Much appreciated. If you have a question, suggestion, random thought, random note, anything that you would like to share with Edge of Your Seat Podcast, please send an email. Podcast at gmail.com. Also, I've said them before, but I'll say them again. Social media, Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and Twitter, edge of your CP. All right, I'm going to go ahead and kick it to Nick Izzo and to the Izzo. <laughs> I did ask him about his name. <laughs> That's at the end of the, the conversation. Make sure you listen to the whole thing because he was really cool about it. I was like, all right, I have a couple questions to ask you about his name. And he started laughing and he was a really cool guy. Again, thank you, Nick, for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I'm going to get out of here. Enjoy Sunday. We will be back real soon. Until next time. Peace. Well, in Illinois, it is about, I don't know, 30 degrees, 25 degrees. Looking out my window, there's snow. At night, it drops down to like 10, 5 degrees. And then I get this guy to talk to with me or with us on the podcast. And he goes, yeah, I'm in Myrtle Beach. I'm in South Carolina. And I just got instantly jealous, which I do not do often. (laughs) Nick Izzo, who is in South Carolina, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for making me jealous. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it's about uh, it's about sixty degrees and sunny right now, so I'm uh, I can't complain. <laughs> Not at all. I'll complain for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I have you on, and thanks again for joining us. Always appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Is I know a guy that you know a guy. We know the same person in Bobby Wilson. I met him when he was coaching Lamoille, Ohio, girls basketball. I was a sports writer for a local newspaper, and I got to meet him, talk to him for a couple stories. And then, you know, we follow each other on Twitter, Facebook, became good friends. And he's like, hey, I love the podcast. He was actually on a couple months ago and said, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he definitely was. And he said, hey, I know another guy that would be awesome for this podcast. And here we go with Nick Izzo. So how do you know Bobby Wilson? So I've known Bobby Wilson since I was in high school. I think we met when I was a junior in high school. He's a year older than me. So I've known him now for, you know, 12, 13 years now. Um, So I've known him, yeah, since way back then. And we kind of, when he went off to college, we've, you know, been friends since so we stayed in contact and everything and then he ended up going to college in michigan for his first year and then he kind of came back he was in illinois so i'd go visit him he'd come visit me and you know ever since then we've kind of we've been buddies i've been uh i was in his wedding yeah man just know the guy for a really really long time we've done some camps together and stuff like that as well on the basketball side great guy i've known him for for a long time definitely are you originally from michigan I'm not. I'm from Illinois, actually. I'm from Oswego, Illinois, which is like uh, southwest suburbs up there, kind of by Aurora and Naperville. 
I definitely know where Oswego is. I play for. I'm actually in Mendota. That's where I went to high school. I left. Oh, okay, and yeah. Back. I actually, uh, I've been dunked on twice in my life when I was a basketball player. Once with Sean Livingston in a camp in Peoria. We were the same age. We both graduated in 04. And okay. another time was in Geneseo by a guy named Kurt Russell. <laughs> He drop step dunked on me. He was like six three or six four. I'm <laughs> barely six foot. He drop step dunked on me. Oh, uh, you got to see, but that's that's how I know you played defense. You know what I'm saying? That's how I know you you went in there. You try, you know. Sometimes you get caught. It's the guys that don't play defense that never have a story where they get dunked on. <laughs> I guess either I was playing defense or I was just you know aimlessly in the wrong place. One of the two. <laughs> oh man. But that's awesome. Definitely know where Oswego is. And yeah, Bobby Wilson is from Flint, Michigan? He is. He is. Yep. Awesome. He is. So the reason he gave me your name is you were doing a lot of stuff with basketball. The first thing that he said is a company called F2. So just explain to the listeners and I what F2 is and what you guys are trying to do with basketball. Yeah, so F2 Basketball is a company that we started down here. would have been four years ago at this point, right around four years ago. Basically, what we do is we train professional basketball players, train college guys, a few like really high-level high school players kind of locally here, but the college and the pro guys are kind of from all over the place. They're, they're kind of from all over the country, and they'll come down here and work with us. Um, so we train them, and then in addition to that, we do some camps with like some high schools. We'll kind of travel around the country and do some camps. Um, with just high school teams, some younger players, some middle school kids, like one and two day camps. We have a coaches clinic as well. And we actually have our own podcast that I produce that is uh, geared towards coaches, high school and college coaches. Um, just kind of trying to, you know, be able to help them just really influence them, right? The whole idea of the company that uh, our CEO had to originally really is for us to be able to influence the influencers, right, in the basketball space, the coaches, the trainers, the players, you know, the leaders, and try to, you know, influence them positively and kind of give them some tools to be even more equipped to be able to lead whoever it is that they're, that they're leading. This time of the year, we're kind of, the, the guys that we're training are out with their teams right now. So we're kind of gearing up for our spring and summer, which is all basically pro training. And then we'll run like a two month long pre-draft sort of training camp for, you know, a handful of guys that are getting ready for the NBA draft. And this will be our fourth, our fourth year of pre-draft as well. It kind of seems like a ballsy move to be like, hey, we're going to influence the influencers. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I should start or I guess preface that with our Our founder and CEO, the guy who's our main trainer, his name is Colin Stevens, right? And he's a he's a very fascinating guy. His story's really interesting. He he had went to high school in Baltimore, right? Played against Carmelo Anthony. This is kind of the time that he's coming up, right? He was player of the year in his county, but he had no division one offers, no division two offers. He had like one or two division three schools that were interested in him. Because he's about 5'7", right? He's like a 5'7 point guard, 5'8", maybe. He's going to hear this and be like, I'm 5'8", bro. But uh, (laughs) he uh, ended up going and getting cut from the team at Towson University. He tried to walk on and got cut. And he had a Division three coach in his life that helped him get an opportunity um, to try to walk on at 
Coastal Carolina. So this is kind of his like last shot. He was going to try to walk on at Coastal. That didn't work. You know, it's kind of out of luck. So he goes, he's the last guy to make the team at Coastal, right? And he ends up then going on starting 20, I think it was 20 games his freshman year as a walk-on. He's the 17th guy on the roster. Two-point guards in front of him get hurt. Boom, he starts 20 games. Earns a scholarship, plays the rest of his career at Coastal. You know, for a five foot seven, five foot eight guy to accomplish that, it just took a ton of faith, right, on his part, a ton of belief in himself, and a ton of fight. And that's where we get the name F2 from, right? It's uh, faith and fight. And so he kind of leads that charge. He's He's been a guy that just with this this incredible amount of belief in himself and and just this ability to keep working, he's been able to accomplish all these things in his life. And so, you know, he takes that approach to working with these guys and he wants to be able to kind of share with them his story and help them. And so far, I mean, honestly, like we really have been able to accomplish that goal. We've been able to kind of influence these guys and, and make a lot of changes in a lot of these guys' lives and the way that they approach the game. And it's been really, really cool to see, but it definitely takes a special guy to kind of have that sort of ambition of, you know, we are going to take these professional level players and really look to impact them as people right as much as we impact them on the court really the goal is just to affect them as people so like i said they can go out and influence influence as many as many other people as they can right but it it really is it's it's really that is the goal day in and day out is to influence those influential people so not only did it take like a ballsy guy colin to say hey this is what we're gonna do on the other end it's gotta take you know we're prideful people as americans as human beings in general so for somebody to be like yeah i'm going to hire or you know contact this person to help me become better in something that i think i'm already good at that's got to take a lot from them as well yeah it does it's a lot of buy-in that you have to get from these guys now Originally, I mean, that was uh, that was one of the things that we had to work on the most, right, was getting that buy-in because we were a new company in this space. You really have to kind of get the guys in, and once they see the environment and once they're kind of around us, they really do start to, start to get an understanding of, I think, how genuinely we want to help them. And I do think that that helps, you know, that, that we haven't had a ton of trouble with guys being bought into it, but it does. It takes a special player that wants to get better. It takes a huge level of trust because they, you know, have to trust us to get them to where they want to get to, especially with these pre-draft guys, right? I mean, they are, in a sense, putting a large piece of their career in our hands, and they're saying, hey, you know, I want you, I trust that you guys will be able to prepare me for my workouts with these teams or, you know, for the draft, for the, you know, maybe a guy doesn't get drafted, but now he's going to training camp or he's on an Exhibit 10 contract with the team, and now he's kind of got to, to, to prove himself to be able to get a roster spot. And so it does, man. It takes a special guy to kind of come in and buy into everything. And we've been really lucky with the guys we've had. They've, for the most part, all really, really bought into to what we do and our process and sort of the different pieces of, of what we do. That is awesome. And what is it exactly that you guys do? I mean, you kind of said some camps, which that could be X's and O's. You said as a person, so I'm guessing some mental drills or mental camps. What is it exactly that you do to try to help and improve these players? Let's use like a guy that would come to us. Let's, let's use a pre-draft guy, for example. I think that's, that's kind of a, a, a good way to show it. So that player will come in 
And what we're looking at before they've even gotten here, we've already seen as a team, we have a, a fairly small team, myself, and then, uh, like I said, Colin, and then our strength and conditioning um, athletic performance trainer, PC Henry, right? By the time the guy has gotten to us, we've seen a ton of film on them as a player. We've talked with their college coaches, the college strength and conditioning coach. We've spoken to their agent, right, who has spoken to the teams and the scouts. And so we've been able, before they even get here, to put together uh, a plan, right, of how we kind of want to help them through that pre-draft process, right? You only have them for so many weeks, so you're really trying to work on some of those deficiencies that the scouts are seeing so that when they go to a workout, they can... I guess in a better position, we can put them where now that deficiency that a team has perceived that they have, when the kid comes in, the team's like, all right, well, you know, he's obviously worked on this. We've He's shown improvement in that area. Great. Now we're not so concerned about it. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll work very specifically with each guy on these couple of areas, right? A lot of times with guys, to be honest, it's a lot of shooting. A lot of times it's, hey, we got to get that shooting percentage a little bit higher. So we keep things very specific on the physical side. You know, PC will look at him and go, hey, we really need to work on this guy's mobility. So everything he's doing in the weight room, everything he's doing, you know, if we go to the beach and work out with them, it's all kind of mobility stuff, right? That's kind of the on-court piece. Then off the court, it's a lot of just conversations with them. It's a lot of one-on-one. It's a lot of, you know, getting them out in a social setting off the court, right? We do a lot of stuff with these guys, you know, we'll take them bowling, we go to Top Golf, we do stuff like that. You know, we go out to dinner a lot and just kind of getting to know them. Um, a lot of the guys will bring their girlfriend down or their parents will come down and see. And so try to kind of get to know the player as a person, right? And then that's when we're kind of able to, to, to get a little more of that, like I said, that kind of influencing side, right? We're able to talk to them about, you know, the kind of struggles that may happen, you know, moving forward in their career, the type of the type of stuff that's going to potentially, you know, that honestly derails some guys, some of that off-the-court stuff. And just try to put them in the best space mentally so that when they, you know, have a situation like that, they're able to kind of move on from it quickly and kind of take the right steps to maybe avoid some of that stuff. Or, you know, if they do have a setback to kind of be able to, to come back bigger and better and move forward. But it's a lot of just kind of getting to know the players when they're out here. And then we kind of, that that's where we're able to put that piece in. But yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's the best way to look at kind of what we're doing with those pre-draft and those pro guys. The camps and clinics are us just, we're getting out with high school kids. We're showing them some, some more high level stuff. Some of the stuff that we work on, um, specifically a lot of like individual skill type stuff. So a lot of, you know, here's how you should attack a ball screen. Here's how. You know, we want your footwork to be on some of these some of these moves that we're, we're teaching them, maybe dribble moves in the full court, right? If you're in transition, you're trying to go by some guy, here's kind of a move that we try to teach our guys. You know, but it's kind of showing them some of the stuff that we work on with our pros and then a lot of the time tapering it to, to a way where, uh, you know, maybe a 7th grade girls basketball player or a 10th grade boys basketball player can really grasp it and put it into their game in a way that they can be successful with it. Awesome. How many clients would you say, you know, roughly that you guys have? I would say this, I would say this year we will probably see between the pro and the college guys. I would say this summer we'll probably have 20, 25 guys in and out from maybe May to August. Okay. I would say. So that's, that's, yeah, 
I would say that's the range that we'd be looking at. And that's kind of guys coming back to us, guys that we've worked with pretty, you know, consistently. Yeah, I'd say that's what we're looking at for this this sort of spring and summer. Now, you know what the follow-up question is. Are there <laughs> any of these guys' uh, names that I or the listeners would know? Yeah, so some of the guys that we've worked with in the past would be, let's see, let's see, some of the guys that we've worked with in the past. Uh, Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard. Juwan Evans. Is uh, Kennard still with the Pistons? He, I believe he still is with the Pistons, yeah. He, um... Yeah, worked with him, worked with uh, Jawan Evans. We've worked with, oh, uh, Simi Shitu. He's on the uh, the Bulls, the Windy City Bulls. He's having a pretty solid year. I think he's averaging like 10 and 5, but like in like 16 minutes a game or something. So, yeah, he's he's a guy that the listeners out there might be familiar with. I'm trying to think who else we've got that people might be familiar with. DeAndre Daniels, he's on that UConn National Championship team with Ryan Boatwright, another Illinois kid. We worked with him. Got, uh... Garrison Matthews. So we had Garrison Matthews last year for pre-draft. He's on a two-way contract with the Wizards right now. And he, uh, about a month ago, had like a 28-point game against the Miami Heat. He's a guy that I think people might be familiar with. A bunch of college guys that, you know, like I said, people might be familiar with. And then for pickup, um, we'll do some kind of pro pickup runs. We've had Raymond Felton in. We've had Zendarius Thornwell in for those, for those pickup runs. So... I think those would be some of the notable guys that people might be familiar with. You know, we've got some younger guys coming up that I think people are going to hear about the next couple of years. Jimmy Nichols is a player at Providence. He's kind of one of the college guys that we work with. He's a very, very talented player. He's like 6'9", can really move. I think people hear hear his name a lot. We've got uh, another guy there, the Missouri Valley at Evansville. Uh, Evansville, obviously, early in the year, knocks off Kentucky. Um, Art Labanowitz. he's um, one of their guards, really, really athletic wing for them. And he's only a junior. I think people, especially in that Missouri Valley, will, will hear about him kind of moving forward a little bit more. It's funny that you said Missouri Valley. I actually went to college at Southern Illinois in Carbondale. Okay. And when you were talking about, you know, helping players with things off of the court and, you know, staying out of trouble and stuff, I'm like, man, when I went to school, I know a bunch of people that you could have used as a client. Uh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt, man. I mean, it's... it's uh, yeah, it's that focus, right? A lot of yeah. it's a lot of distractions, man. These guys are young. It's a lot of a lot of distractions out there. I mean, I wasn't Uh-oh. a basketball player, and I had the distractions <laughs> as a student, so I can only imagine. Oh, me too, man. Me too. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you met Bobby through playing basketball and stuff. What yep. is your background, and what is your title for this company F two to you know make you a part of it and help these players? Yeah, so really, I think the best the best way to start with me is I was I was not a very good player. I always liked basketball. I liked playing, but I'm not a I'm not a very big guy, not a very athletic guy. And so, kind of early on, I felt like my path to stay in the sport was not going to be playing. Right? I knew college playing college basketball was not likely going to be an option for me. But I wanted to coach. I really, really loved coaching. I wanted to coach. And so I had a bunch of really good mentors when I was in high school. All the coaches I had throughout high school, like freshman, sophomore, you know, the varsity team, really good mentors. And they all said, hey, I think the best path for you to go into coaching when you get to college is to be a manager. Right. So I was like, that sounds great. So I started doing a lot of research and I kind of had decided to pursue schools at the Division II level. I felt like that would give me the best opportunity to actually kind of be more involved 
and learn a lot more because the coaching staffs are a lot smaller, right? They don't carry 15 managers on the team at a lot of these Division II schools, so you get to do a lot more. So that's kind of where I locked in. And it's funny because Bobby Wilson had went to a Division II school, so I kind of knew that. He was a year older than me. I kind of knew, like, okay, great, I'm going to be able to get more involved. And so I end up going to Lewis University in Romeoville, up there at Division II school, and... It was awesome, man. I mean, I was a manager, but the coaching staff was so cool. Like, I told them, you know, I have this ambition to coach. And one of the best pieces of advice I ever got in my life, one of the assistants told me, he was like, look, whatever you're willing to put into something, you're going to get out. And I was there because I wanted to coach. I wasn't getting paid for it. I wasn't getting, like, the little stipend that they give like workers on campus like I was completely a volunteer and I just wanted to learn to coach and so the coaching staff was like look whatever you want to help us out with we'll let you and you know you can learn as much as you want and I got lucky my sophomore year one of our grad assistants ended up leaving before the season started and so it was cool that whole year I got to sit up right at the front of the bench right next to our head coach I just got to help him with everything. It was super, super cool scouting and like just everything that you can think of. I got to kind of be a part of. And as a 20 year old, like at that level, our head coach, Scott Trost, was the uh, former associate head coach at Michigan. And so to be able to learn from those guys was just it was unreal. I ended up transferring to Eastern Illinois. Uh, my girlfriend's going was going there. She's my fiance now, but girlfriend at the time and so I wanted to transfer down there and to be able to be closer to her so I did and once I got down there I started coaching I got my first high school job I was 21 my first high school coaching job and from there I just started coaching man I just tried to learn everything I could about it I knew I wanted to be a coach and I mean that was it so yeah I coached in Illinois until I moved to Myrtle Beach and I was in uh see that would have been 2014 I moved down to Myrtle Beach, no connections. I didn't have any anybody, nobody that I knew from Illinois knew anybody out here, so I was kind of starting from scratch. And we had moved down here for her job. And so I'm starting, I mean, at the bottom now, right? I've been coaching in Illinois. I got all these great connections. And to reset there, you know, I just had to go meet people. And that's what I did. I ended up meeting Colin Stevens in the spring after we had moved here and started working with his youth academy at the time. This is a year before F2 and maybe two years before F2 even and started working with them, started working with them for free. Yeah, just kind of grew, grew with them. And when he started F2, he was like, I got to have you, I got to have you come with me. So I, uh, yeah, I'm the director of media and marketing. Uh, for F2 Basketball, as well as for that same youth academy, which is the Manzer Basketball Academy. That's what I do. I never finished college, so I don't have any like formal training in media and marketing. I was going to school to be a teacher. I'm just kind of self-taught. I've learned a ton. I still have a lot more to learn, but I've learned a ton about it. That's what I do here, and it's been really, 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 really cool. You sound like the luckiest man alive. So, so, <laughs> I feel like it some days, man. <laughs> so, girl that you meet, fall in love with, get engaged yep. to, she gets a job in an awesome part of the country, Myrtle Beach. Yep. And then you go there, like, hey, I'm in Myrtle Beach, I'll, I'll find something. And then you run across mm-hmm. this guy who gives you a, a opening, a path towards something that you were already interested in the first place. I was comfortable in going and, like, pursuing what I wanted, right, in the basketball space, because that's what I'd always done, right? I wanted to coach. 
I am not, I have no, like, unbelievable playing credentials where anyone's going to be like, we got to have this guy. He was such a great player. We got to have him, right? I had to pursue it. I went and I worked for free, you know, at the college level. And so I was comfortable with it. You know, I'd applied to all these high school jobs and I'd gone on the interviews and I just kind of pursued it and pursued it and pursued it. And when I got out here, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to keep doing it. I just got to find the right people. And I had gotten a lot of no's when I first moved out here. I mean, when I first moved out here was fall. So it was like before the high school season was about to start. And I had emailed every high school coach within an hour of Myrtle Beach to see if I could volunteer to be on their staff, right? And of all those emails, only two of them met with me. And both of them, their coaching staffs were already full. So it was kind of like a thanks, but no thanks kind of thing. That was, you know, I think at that point I could have just kind of threw in the towel, but I kept looking and sure enough, I find this guy who's running this youth academy out here and, you know, the rest is kind of history as they say. Yeah, I mean, getting turned down that many times, that can be demoralizing to a lot of people. Yeah, I think you have to, and I think that's why, it's, why, it's kind of what I talked about earlier, man. I mean, I think it really does, you just have to have faith in yourself and whatever you want to do. And you have to kind of, you, you have to go after it, you know, you can't get discouraged. You got to, you have to have a belief in yourself, you know, you have to have a confidence about you and an understanding that, you know, I mean, I heard all those no's. I didn't get responses to those emails, but I never thought to myself like, oh, it's because I'm not good enough to do this, you know, or, you know, maybe this is a sign that I should stop. Right. I just saw it as, you know, sort of a a hurdle that I kind of had to get over. And I think if there's anything about I wake up every day and I feel very lucky. But I think if there's anything to be said, it's one of these things where like in life, you can kind of make your own luck. Right. In a lot of circumstances. And I think if you look for those opportunities to do that. I think you can be successful. And so for me, from my role, I mean, when we work with these pro guys, that's what I kind of try to convey to them is just a little bit of, of sort of my story. And, and hopefully they kind of grasp onto a piece of that as they move forward. And it sounds like, you know, F2 is your main responsibility, main priority. Is there other stuff that you're doing with basketball in your area? The Youth Academy that we have is basically kindergarten through eighth grade. It's a very open program. We're, we're looking for anybody that wants to get better. We've got a fit for them, right? And so I handle all the media and marketing on that side. I'll also do a little training with those kids as well. I have some like individual clients and stuff like that. I run like our really little kids program. That's what I would, like I said, I went to school to be a teacher, like to teach really young kids. And so I'll work with like the kindergarten, first grade, second graders in our little hoopers programs. But that's kind of how I can get a little more on the court um, with those guys. And then I also, this time of the year, I coach at the uh, Christian Academy of Myrtle Beach, which is a private school down here that we've had varsity basketball for 12th season, I believe. Um, Down here, I've been there. This is my fourth year. It's a really cool place to be. The program has... A ton of tradition and history. Um, in the 12 years we've had varsity basketball, we've won five state championships. And we've been to another two Final Fours. I've been lucky enough coaching there. I got to coach against Zion Williamson in the state championship game. That was three years ago. And then I got to coach against him again in the Final Four two years ago. So it's been really cool to be there. So that's kind of what it, what takes up most of my time this this four months of the year, really is uh, coaching those kids and and being uh, in that environment. And it's really cool because I always wanted to coach. And 
as much as I love the media and the marketing side and working with the pros and all of that, I think my favorite thing to do, honestly, is to coach that high school team. So it's it's cool to be able to do that. And get dunked on by Zion Williams. So. Oh, man, unreal. It was, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it's unreal. It's unreal to see him now. I can tell you that is the best basketball player I have seen in person. At that level, it's not even close. He is such an unreal monster of a man. Like he is, he is. It's it's unbelievable. The thing that was the most startling seeing him in person those two times is that he isn't affect. Like when he drives, right? There's nothing you can really do to affect him. The way that I word it is. Every time that we would foul him when he would be going to the basket, you would be fouling him on the way. He's still going up. So after you foul him, because he's so athletic, he's still going up. So by the time he's ready to release the ball, the foul has had no impact on that whatsoever. So he's basically able to drive, and no contact to him is going to matter because he's so big, he's so strong, and you foul him, and then a second and a half later, now he's finishing. And so he finishes everything. That's why he shoots these ridiculous percentage from the field at Duke, right? Because there's no, there's no way you can really impact him when he is going to the basket to score. That was something like I had never seen. I watched his NBA debut, and of course, you know, the first half, first three quarters, I think he had five points, three or four rebounds. <laughs> And he's already, I mean, he's just standing there, and I'm like, this dude is already bigger than half of everybody on the court. And then I'm like, man, it's not really a debut that I was, I thought that was going to happen. I thought he was going to come out here, drop like 30 or, you know, something crazy. Oh, for sure. But then he goes off for 17 straight points in the fourth quarter, four threes, and he's got such a flat shot that you're like, there's no way he's making those. He made <laughs> oh, them all and just drilled everything. Oh, it's it's wild, man. Like he he, there's just something about him. There's just it's I don't know what it is, man. But like he is just you just can't stop him. He is just a force out there. He really, really is. Like he does what he wants when he wants, and it's crazy to see him still doing it at that level. Like you know, I you think there's going to be some sort of like resistance that they're going to be able to put up, and then that first game, you're right. It's just like what is like there's nothing they can do. Yep. In Illinois in high school, when I was, like I said, when I was playing, I was a senior in 2004. I wasn't a really good player either. I didn't, I, I don't really want to talk about that. But anyway, <laughs> I mentioned him earlier. Sean Livingston was that guy for around here. Six, seven point guard, could really do anything he wanted to. Not as big and as strong and as powerful as Zion, obviously, but just crafty, quick, hops. Like that dude could do absolutely everything. And yep. I was a point guard too. He's six seven. I'm six foot, and it it was just unfair. It's just something about when you see those different guys, right? Like those guys, and you're just like, this is not. How is this kid in high school? Yeah. Like he's nothing like any of these other kids. Like he's like this. This level is far too easy for him. Yeah, and everybody else is talking about where they're going to go to college or, you know, even college not to play basketball, just, you know, to learn. And yep. he's talking about NBA drafts, and we're like, wow. <laughs> like, yep. like just another level athlete it was crazy yeah absolutely it's uh it's yeah it was it's cool man i'm 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 glad i'll be able to tell like my grandkids that we <laughs> i got to coach against them twice he definitely beat us fairly handily both times <laughs> so it's uh you know but i it's a cool it's a cool experience 
So I have a couple questions I want to ask you about your name. Yeah, man. Go for it. So Nick Izzo, are you related to Tom Izzo, head coach of Michigan State men's basketball program? Oh, I wish, man. I wish, but I am not. I, I am I, I am not. I wish I could say I was, though. And I've been asked that by probably every coach I've ever met. That was the first thing I said when Bobby gave me your name. I was like, I wonder if he's related to Tom. Yep, yeah, my dad's, I think my dad's about the same age as Tom, too, so he's gotten asked it for the last, you know, 20 years. It's, uh, yeah, I wish, but no, no relation at all. I've never met him, nothing, no, uh, nothing like that. All right, second question about your name. Are you the inspiration for Jay-Z's H to <laughs> Oh, man, I, uh, I wish, I wish, but no, 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 uh. No relation, unfortunately. Another guy I'd love to meet, but no, no, uh, no relation. But it was fun when I was a kid. It was fun when that song was popular, man. That was uh, everybody. Everybody loved it. We used to play it all the time at the house. Oh, I bet. I I bet you were called <laughs> into the Izzo all the time. Oh, all the time. Still to this day. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Off of basketball real quick, it is Sunday, it yeah. is Super Bowl. I don't know exactly when this will be out for the people, but we can always make picks and we can listen back and see if you're correct or not. We have a for Super sure. We have a Super Bowl coming up today, Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco 49ers. Who do you got, my friend? I'm taking the Chiefs. I'm taking the Chiefs. I think, um, yeah, I feel good about Andy, Andy Reid having that bye week and the type of things he does as an offensive coach. I think if there's anyone that's going to be able to to figure out that that 49ers defense i think it's i think it's andy reed and i honestly i'd be remiss to say i am if i didn't say i'm a massive Packers fan so that loss to the 49ers is still just sort of stuck stuck with me so i would love to see the chiefs pull it off and uh yeah i think they can i think they can pull it off fun fact i was actually at eastern illinois those two years with jimmy garoppolo and that was when he was uh down there i think we're the same age I think he was a junior and a senior the same year as I was. What Hope he loses tonight, though. <laughs> what year would you have graduated from Eastern? 2012, it would have been. 2012. Because uh, state track for Illinois is always at Eastern, and I was there six straight summers for state track. Well, it's the end of the school year. Yeah. I call it summer because it's like the beginning of June or last weekend. It's the last weekend of May, and uh, I was there for like, Six straight years, but I think my first one was 2013 or 14. So I would have missed you. Yeah. No, I would have been. Or no, you know what? I would have been 2012-13 school year. So yeah, so spring of 13 would have been it. So yeah, you would, you might have been down there when I was. Yeah. yeah. It's a good school. Man, I loved it. I loved it. It's like in the middle of nowhere, but I loved it. When I go down there, I always had fun. The Panther Paul was my spot. Oh, no doubt, man. No doubt. Absolutely. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I lived in a little, uh, I lived in an apartment that was like our apartment complex on one end, and then it was a two bars and a liquor store, and our apartment complex. That was the, the parking lot. So it was a good time, man. It was we had we had fun, man. Southern Illinois for me was kind of the same thing. I was in this apartment complex, and right behind me, so there was a little creek. You go over the little bridge for the creek, and there was two. Uh-huh. Two bars, a liquor store, Papa John's, and Subway. <laughs> yeah, see? That's all you need, man, in college. That is all you need. Yeah, you didn't need anything else. You're <laughs> like, hey, I got my necessities right here. For sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Who do you got? 
I'm going Chiefs as well. I think that's the yeah, consensus of anybody that I've talked to. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, how he did not win the MVP award. They gave it to Lamar Jackson instead. I do not know how that happened. Probably because he missed a couple games, I think. But right. Patrick Mahomes is such a stud. He has quickly become my favorite football player. I'm a huge Bears fan. We can argue about Bears and Packers later. <laughs> but I am such a uh, I am a huge Bears fan, but Patrick Mahomes is just another level quarterback. He's got it all. He can throw, he can run at a level that we haven't seen in a little bit. So I, I can't go against him. And Andy Reid is a Hall of Famer as soon as he decides to hang it up. So yeah, I'm going them too. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I think it's if there's anyone that's going to figure out that defense, it's going to be it's going to be those two. But I mean, I hope it's a I hope it's a high scoring a high scoring game, man. I'd love to see it. Well, and to the Izzo, <laughs> I think <laughs> that's all that I have for you. Thanks again for joining us and yeah, talking you. some basketball, your background, and did not know you were a Geneseo kid, and here you are. <laughs> oh, I love it, man. It's been awesome to be on here, man. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you having me. All the way from Myrtle Beach. I'm still jealous. The jealousy did not go away from the, the start <laughs> to the finish here. Oh, I love it, man. If you're ever out this way, man, let me know. Let me know. I'll get you in. You come to the workouts, man. Check everything out. It'd be good, man. It'd be a good time. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely do that if I'm ever out that way. I might go out that way just to do that. Yeah, man, for sure. It's a good time out here, man. Uh, we'll show you a good time. <laughs>